Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Hi, Millie's. So good to be with you today. You know, all my children went to school in Milton. So um, I spent many years shouting, Millie's, Millie's. Anyway, uh, good to be with you. We're doing the Sermon on the Mount. This is perhaps one of the most important sermons you can ever read and meditate on. And uh, so I today have the privilege of speaking about a, a short passage um, in Matthew chapter 5 from verse 17. Let me read to you. Don't misunderstand. Are we hearing that? Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore, note that word ignore, the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I want to warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is such an important passage of Scripture. And you know what? <clears throat> I believe that it reflects a crisis that always seems to have existed concerning the Holy Scriptures. Do you know that data from uh, research uh, polls have shown that today, in ever-decreasing percentages, evangelical and Pentecostal Christians no longer believe in the authority and the truth of God's Word. And let's face it, it's regarded as a kind of perspective on life. So, for example, you live together uh, while you're sorting your life out, then you get married, uh, because that's a better perspective. Um, and I want to say this, that if the Word of God is not meditated on, and doesn't become written in our hearts, let's, let's face it, you can't apply what you don't know. Because yeah. it's only on meditation that you know the Word of God. And then, guys, let's face it, out there in our community, it is a post-Scripture, post-Church, post-modern society. The Word of God doesn't even come into the conversation. So what I'm wanting to do is to give an overall context to this passage to help us firstly assess where we are on our spiritual journey, secondly, to understand the turmoil in our society, and thirdly, to find a way back. 
How can we, together with the, the lost in our world, come back to Christ? Uh, remember, the purpose of the law is to extend the kingdom and then to live eternally with God. So I want to start by speaking about a practice called divergence. To diverge means to develop in a different direction or according to a different standard. And uh, in the last 20 to 40 years, there has been massive social change, which has also led to steep divergence. Okay. Um, I think every belief, every value, every principle, every practice has come up for scrutiny. Now, we know that there's been some good that's come from this divergence. Uh, for a fact, people are no longer uh, willing to take um, uh, systematic racism or gender violence. I think that's awesome. But you know what? There have also been some massive problems uh, that have come from divergence because people have diverged from the old established traditions and practices such as marriage and the three-generational family, just as an example. But you know what? They haven't found a sound alternative. So what has happened, I believe, is that people are vulnerable. They are open to strong influences. Today, I would say social media is a strong influencer. And they then end up making quick decisions that have disastrous consequences. So our world is unstable. But you know what? In a way, that's great for the church because I believe God wants us to be the stronger influencer. And we can be strong influencers because of the Holy Spirit within us. Now, I want to talk about spiritual divergence. And I am going to lay it down. <laughs> Sorry, for those of you who, who may kind of, you know, say, no, well, you know, I'm not sure about that. I want to say this. There is only one God who is the creator and the ruler of the universe, and he has given laws and commands for his human creation to obey with no questions asked. Oh, my hat. God also sent his one and only son to die on a cross to pay the price for the sins of humanity, so that mankind can restore his relationship with God and live with him for eternity. You know what Jesus said? And it's quoted in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one can come to God except through me. Oh, my word. I'm so happy to tell you that. Acts 17, 28, this is how Paul put it when he was talking to the Athenians. For in him we live and move and have our being. Oh. So, you know, spiritual divergence is actually quite simple. You're either diverging towards Christ, who is your Savior and Lord, you're diverging towards His truth, his, his scriptures, His commands, His practices that we find in the four Gospels. But it also includes the Old Testament because the Old Testament points towards Christ. Um, it also refers to the rest of the New Testament, which explains, applies, and expands on the truth of Christ. Whew. 
Ah, so the process of divergence is either diverging towards Jesus or away from Him. I want to tell you, at any point in your life, you can ask yourself the question, am I diverging towards Christ and His truth and His word, or am I diverging away from Him? Now we know that the process of divergence as determined by experiences, circumstances, and influences. Can I say, I believe this is a day for us, the church, to be influencers, so that people have the experience of salvation and can know the joy and the peace of sins forgiven. So I want to explain the journey of divergence by identifying what I would call four main spiritual levels, categories, realities. And please, I'm, I'm not giving this as four steps to heaven. The first one, guys, really it's the only one, is the standard of the full and complete standard of Christ, um, which is actually the accomplishment of the law. Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law. I have come to accomplish its purpose. Again, I want to repeat, kingdom growth and eternal life. But you know what? This standard can only be diverged to when we have confessed sin and the Holy Spirit has come and lived inside of us because the Spirit gives us the leadership and power to divert towards the standard of Christ. And I'm going to read the classic passage in Ephesians 4 speaking about the gift ministries. And I love it in the New Living, by the way. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Guys, I want you to know that when we are diverging to this standard, that is when we are truly the light and the salt. I promise you, when the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's leading us, and we are, by the way, growing from glory to glory, as the Word of God tells us, we will be the light to the world. Amen. And you know, I love Philippians 2 verse 13. I often turn to it. Paul said God is working in us <clears throat> to give us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Because I want to tell you, any of the other stages we are doing less and less of what pleases God. Okay, so you're happy with the, the standard that, that, that we're all caught. That's why when we do the rest of the um, Sermon on the Mount, we're going to find we're going to be challenged further than just the Old Testament because that is a new standard. In other words, the law says don't commit adultery. The new standard is don't look at somebody with lust. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Um, don't get angry, don't murder somebody, I'm saying don't get angry. So, whoo, that's a high standard. So, let's move on. That's what I call the inspired standard. Now I want to look at the required standard, which is the law of God as recorded by Moses, which we mentioned in our passage. Um, and as the Word of God says, the prophets required obedience. Um, they were speaking on God's behalf. And, you know, I love this passage um, because um, the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus on one occasion. And they asked him, 
What is the most important command in the Bible? Uh, and this is what Jesus said in Matthew 22. And I want to tell you, one of the reasons I'm repeating this is because when you read our main passage, you think, does that mean the food laws and the ceremonial laws? No, I believe he is fundamentally speaking about the morals and the ethics that is contained in the law. So let's read from verse 37 in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's, that's quite something. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You know, with all the chaos in our country, they need a church that is obeying the law that says, we're going to forgive. Uh, we're going to go the extra level um, because we love God so much and we love our neighbor. Even if our neighbor is doing things that we don't like. You all with me? Now, guys, I want to come down to what I believe is one of the nitty gritty issues of God's law and his commands. The key issue is the natural inability to obey the law whether you're Jewish or a Christian. And, you know, the Word of God tells us if we're guilty of one, we're guilty of all. Um, so this can be very frustrating. It can lead to spiritual exhaustion and discouragement and a diverging away from God's law. And I think that's quite important. And I'm so glad that Paul got hectically honest in Romans chapter 7. And we're just going to read a few of, of, of his honest uh, confession. From verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. Okay, we got that. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing the wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. You know, sometimes we can be so critical of people who are doing wrong things. But you know what? They have the same problem that everybody has. It's just that they've given in to a greater degree. I don't believe everybody out there wants to cause havoc, wants to cause trouble, wants to destroy. There's something inside of us called sin. Now, I want to say this. This is so important. Over centuries, whether it's been Judaism or Christianity, the leaders have sought to compensate for this spiritual problem. In other words, trying to prevent divergence. Because when you're unable to obey the law, when you're frustrated, you start to diverge away. So what has happened? We've included traditions and rituals and programs and regulations and laws. Amazing buildings. You can go around Europe. The incredible buildings. Uh, the synagogues. Uh, the temple. Um, in the modern day, we have mega facilities, choirs, music concerts, extravaganzas, Easter extravaganza, Christmas extravaganzas. Now, we know that on the one side, this is part of our ministry um, to enhance the Word of God going out. Uh, we know that it's our way of telling the community we're serving God. And we, it's good to have good bathrooms, by the way. Um, <laughs> I've been in churches with bad bathrooms. But let me tell you, it's wrong of all of, if all of that is a compensation. If you're serving and working and you're leading in worship and you're playing the guitar and 
All of that is compensating for the fact that you're diverging. You're in a place where it's, the Holy Spirit's not leading you. And, and, and all of this just becomes a replacement. Jesus nailed the Pharisees. Guys, read Matthew 23, or he'll stand on end. He accused them of being hypocritical, of putting burdens on people. And he says, you know what? You've ignored the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Do you know that those three things are only found when you're diverging to the standard of Christ? You will find a lack of that in religion. Religion is an opportunity for people to control and to be leaders and to wear fancy garments. All of that compensates for the fact that you are diverting. Let's come back to our key passage. There's a reason I'm explaining this to you. The people were thrilled by the uncomplicated message of freedom that Jesus preached. Thank God we can now walk away from the law in its complicated entirety and we're just going to follow Jesus. Wonderful stories, incredible miracles. Jesus gives us food in the wilderness and he blesses our babies. Yoo-hoo! We're away from the law. What about the 21st century? Centuries of ritual and all that stuff. We are free. And you know what? We meet, there's an awesome welcome team that's going to meet us. Lovely, hot, uh, warming worship. I can bop to the worship. And there will be a nice short message just encouraging me. And you know what? The best coffee in the world. But let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians today who only have a vague understanding of the laws of God. <laughs> they just don't know it, but they just kind of know this is a lack of church. The minister's good. Jason Render is so handsome, and he preaches so well, and he doesn't preach too long, and we're out of here, and we can go to the beach. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just giving a point. You know what Paul said in Matthew, uh, sorry, Galatians 5.13? For you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve others in love. You see, guys, when we divert from God's standard, we're going to divert to the human nature, the level of self. And you know, people have diverted to that Level in massive numbers. Today, it's about you. It's about your dream. It's about your vision. It's about you refusing to accept the, the authority of your parents, of the teachers at school, your boss. It's about finding yourself. And so people are all independent of God. Um, I think secular humanism is massive in our world that we live in. And you know what? Um, secular humanism says that man had created God as a projection of his mind. So your morality uh, comes from your mind, and you apply situational ethics. Um, that's what you do as the circumstances change. Um, and you know what? Not everybody who lives at the level of the natural human life is evil. A lot of people want to do good out there. But I tell you, it's dangerous. Christians fail to understand that when they diverge away from the complete standard of Christ, they are going to diverge to a place where the sinful nature controls. Guys, read Romans chapter 8. There we've got anxiety. That's where we have jealousy. 
where suspicion of the motives of people, serving God is exhausting. Um, and we're caught up with hurts, fears, unforgiveness, festering, um, and a festering heart in pantechnicans. I've got a picture of a pantechnican. I hope it's come up there. Are you carrying pantechnicans of issues? Guys, the level of natural humanity is a level of unresolved issues and problems. And the tragedy is that many people don't understand it. They don't understand that they have diverged. Let me read Romans 8, just verses 5 to 8. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature. He's talking to Christians, by the way. Think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. You know, when you're thinking about sinful things, it could be other people's sin. But somehow, issues are what we're always thinking about. So letting our sinful nature control the mind leads to death. Guys, we allow it. Um, God doesn't make us uh, be dominated by the sinful nature. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Guys, the Holy Spirit in us speaks of the level of diverging to the complete standard of Christ. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, God's law and never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. Guys, can I say this? Sorry, I'm moving out of the line. <laughs> can I say this? Guys, there's nothing more important in your life than to know the Word of God. Because you could be serving God, but your actions are hostile. You're not pleasing God. And you know what that does? It diverts us again to the fourth level, evil or wickedness. Um, do you know that Adam and Eve's first children got into a fight where one murdered the other? Help me, Jesus. Evil blossomed to such an extent that God destroyed the earth with a flood. Do you know why people became so evil? They actually didn't have the word of God. Let me read Genesis 6, 5 to 6. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Can I tell you, when people are evil, they're breaking the heart of God because God created them to serve him and to love him with all their heart and to love their neighbor. I don't want to spend too much time at this level. I think each and every one of us knows what is evil, right? There's so much evil around us. But there's one thing we need to know. God gave the most incredible insight to Paul in Romans 1. From verses 18 to 32, he describes the unraveling divergent process. And it's an interesting thing. He says it all started when Man fails to acknowledge and worship God as God and give Him thanks. And so what, what Paul is saying is that everybody has a general revelation of God. Just look at the world around you. Watch your baby being born. There is something in this world that will give you a revelation of God. Guys, that's why in this church we focus on worshiping. What's all this worshiping? I'm just going to come a little late. doesn't matter. I can hear the word. Jason preaching so well lately. But I don't have to worry about the worship. Yes, you do. 
Because it's a failure to worship God that leads us to a path where our mind is clouded by deception. Read the passage. You know, there's something that Paul repeats several times in this passage. God abandoned them. Let me read Romans 1.28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. He's talking about the conscience. The Holy Spirit no longer tells us with that sharpness of conviction that we're doing wrong. So what happens is mankind or humankind, that's a better way of putting it, no longer discerns right from wrong. There is a sense of entitlement. I can burn places down. I can steal things because I'm entitled. But can I tell you that in the world we're living in, all sin doesn't come from mobs. It also comes in levels of leadership and government. Guys, there is evil everywhere. So guys, we've, we've looked at four levels, or four stages, um, and that is the complete standard of God, the standard of God's righteousness. Uh, we've looked at the natural man, uh, the area where the sinful nature predominates in evil. But you know what? We're here today because Jesus Christ is the answer. There is an answer to everything that we have spoken about. When God sent Jesus... He sent him to every human being, no matter what level of struggle, to bring them back to God. So simple. You could miss it. Confessing your sin, submitting to God, repenting, and embracing your divine destiny that will lead us to maturity that measures the full standard of Christ. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. Do you know that in the early years, Christians were called the people of the way? <laughs> so I'm going to briefly give you four points as we diverge. You see, as easy as, as it is to diverge away from Christ, it's easy to divert towards Him. So we've got a world of people diverging towards sin, and I believe that as the Holy Spirit is going to bring revival we're going to see others diverging the other way. So I want to give you four brief points, and it's all connected to Jesus. Firstly, Jesus the intercessor. So let me read Ezekiel 22, verse 30 and 31. Now, if you understand the context, this is a moment where God explains and describes the evil and the sin in both Israel and Judah. And he says, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. Guys, there's a wall that guards our land. And I believe in South Africa that wall's been breached. I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. <clears throat> so now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty for all their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, has spoken. Oh, my word. But you know, we misunderstand that scripture because let's be honest, there were prophets. There were people who still loved God. They were the remnant that were taken to Babylon and Syria and Assyria and, and served God. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about the perfect man. The perfect man 
he would pay the price for our sins. And that was Jesus. What he was saying is, Jesus hadn't been sent. But can I tell you that Jesus Christ not only died, but he was resurrected and ascended to heaven, and his job in heaven is to be our intercessor. The authority to intercede has been passed on to us, and there's quite a few scriptures I could read. We don't have the time. But I want to tell you, because Jesus is our intercessor, we can intercede on behalf of our land. Amen. Guys, Matthew 15, verse 7. Or was that Luke? Sorry, let me just find it again. This is when you need to have it. John 15, verse 7. You need an ad break sometimes, eh? You know what he said? If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask what you want and it will be given to you. Whoa. What he's saying is that those of you who are living at that point where you are constantly diverging towards that perfect standard of Christ, you can ask what you will. You know that we, the church, can pray for our land. We can take authority. The Bible says that our weapons are mighty. They're not like human weapons. That they will pull down strongholds. That we can speak to incorrect um, perceptions. We can pull those proud perceptions down. And we, spiritually speaking, can bring those thoughts in line with Jesus. That's found in 2 Corinthians. I don't know if you knew that. I want to tell you, the whole time that this has been going on, I've been remembering one of the key scriptures in my life, that God will cause all things to work together for good. So those that love him and that are called. Do you know why? Because we're interceding, because Jesus is the intercessor. Okay, so you're all with me. Secondly, let's move back up to the level of the dominance of sinful nature, the level of just natural humanity. You know who we have? We have Christ the overcomer, Christ the, vic the victor. When Jesus died, he broke the power of sin. Your baptism, guys, you're always remembering that your sins were nailed to the cross, the old man was buried, and the new man has risen. We are a new person in Christ Jesus. You know, in, 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 uh, in Romans chapter 7, when Paul cried out about his inabilities, he gave us an answer in verse 25. He says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that incredible? Thirdly, we're coming up to the law. We can relay or restore the foundations of our life and ministry with the Word of God contained in the Holy Scriptures. I've got a picture of foundations. You know what? Why don't we rebuild our foundations? It's in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will reveal the truth. He will give you a rhema. Tomorrow, as you're having your quiet time, something will jump out to you. You will think, I've read this scripture a hundred times. God will speak to you. And you know what his rhema requires? Application and obedience. And I love that story about the house built on the rock, the house built on the stand. What is the house built on the rock? is the person who meditates on the Word and applies the Word of God. So we go from meditation to a rhema to obedient application. Guys, are you beginning to see how the church is going to rise up? It's simple, really. 
We don't have to walk on broken glass. We don't have to go and fast for five years. Just apply the word of God. And you know the last point? I'm going to reread Ephesians 4 because my last point is Christ the head of the church. He's talking about leaders that Christ has given to the church. He says their responsibility in Ephesians 4 is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith, knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Do you know what we have to do? We have to relate to our leaders. You've got to be in the body of Christ. We have to be part of the local church. In our relationship with leaders, be it in the small group, be it relating as Jason preaches or, or one of the leaders is teaching a course, whatever it is, it's in our relationship that we begin to take that next step. And you know what? Unity plays a role. Are we united in our faith and our knowledge of Christ? Relationship and unity. I want to tell you, those, those are simple. They are achievable. But I tell you what, the church will become the light and the salt of the world. Jesus, our intercessor. Jesus, the victor. Jesus, the living word. And Jesus, the head of the church. So we've looked at divergence away from God. I think we understand a bit better. Maybe we understand a bit better why there's so much evil. Why we're struggling in our Christian relationship. But guys, I want you to take home the intercession, the victory that comes in salvation, the true victory as we allow the Spirit to work in our lives. And the Word of God, please guys, Jesus said, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the purpose of the law. How can that purpose be fulfilled in our lives if we don't love the Word of God, if we don't meditate on? How can you and us, you and I, apply what we don't know? Shall we pray? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name in this difficult time. Lord, as I'm finishing this message, I just have a so, such a great sense of your presence, of your power, and your authority. And God, you've granted the church an authority. I, I thank you, Jesus, that you completed your work on the cross, that you are our intercessor, that you've given us intercession. But Lord, I pray for us, so many of us that are watching this, we're struggling and we have diverted. Lord, please show us, show us, God, where we are spiritually. Lord, if we're struggling, like Paul, like Paul reflected his struggle, God, I just pray that we'll be able to say either out aloud or in our hearts, thank God for Jesus. Right now, Lord, we turn back to you, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We ask you, please, Jesus, forgive my sins. Forgive my divergence. And right now, as I commit my heart again to you. I believe and trust that through your Holy Spirit, I can diverge back to the full measure of your standard. Lord, I pray that every one of us here will complete that destiny that you determined for us in eternity so that the church will be built up, that the kingdom will extend, and that all glory will be given to you 
I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.